0: Welcome to Practice Mastery, your call to greatness. If you're a chiropractor, young or old, you're going to learn and become inspired by our impressive list of international chiropractors and guest expert interviews. Imagine sitting in the front row, listening and learning from some of the best coaches and mentors in our industry. I promise you, you won't want to miss a single episode.
1: Welcome to Practice Mastery. It's great to have you on the show. We've got a very special guest today, of course. And welcome back to the the new season. Uh, I know uh, I missed you as a listener. Thanks for your feedback, for all of you who have given us uh, feedback. And, you know, Practice Mastery is all about uh, helping you achieve more mastery in your practice, whatever that means to you. Today's special guest, he is truly a chiropractor on a mission to save lives and to change the way you think about the true meaning of health. In practice for nearly 30 years, he and his wife, also a chiropractor, have built one of the most successful high volume practices in Canada. Dr. Colin is an international speaker, practice coach and mentor with Max Living. His vision for chiropractic is a big one, inspiring more young people to choose a chiropractic path as their inspired career path. A great big welcome to Dr. Colin Elkin, visionary chiropractor. Welcome, Colin.
2: Dr. Allen, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to sit and talk with you today.
1: Well, now, now we met almost unexpectedly and I had, had a connection w- with you and, and chatted probably because we've been in practice for a few years, right? And from the same school, in fact. Absolutely. Now, you know, that's a big, bold statement. How is your mission uh, about saving lives?
2: You know, I think that uh, the chiropractic profession is really, in my opinion, the best profession in the world. We, We have the greatest reach or the greatest potential to reach people and help to change their mindset about what truly health is and where it comes from. And I think that is so underrated. And unfortunately, I don't think that's driven home to students in school enough. Often I see this in, in the years of practice and having the opportunity to go back and talk to quite a few schools over the years. Students really don't understand why they're there. And when you think about it, many students got into chiropractic for the path of some sort of getting into some sort of healthcare. And right. let's face it, many of them didn't have the opportunity to go to med school. Maybe their marks weren't high enough, or maybe they chose something that was perhaps non-medical or non-pharmaceutical. Getting into chiropractic college was a way to help people. you know. And I think it, it was actually interesting. We joke about this all the time. I, I have a lot of colleagues that do interviews for chiropractic students, prospective chiropractic students going to school. And one of the questions they ask is why do you want to become a chiropractor? And, and the answer almost 95 or 99% of the time is because I want to help people. Well, the, the thing is you, you, could, you could help somebody change their tire when they have a flat or you could help an older lady across the street. You're still helping people. But a lot of people, when they start really thinking about how they want to help people, don't really know how chiropractic can really truly be help helped people. And, and we've been put into this musculoskeletal type of treatment phase and type of, of uh, profession over the years, and I think it's really important for us to really recognize that and start to educate the public on the benefits of chiropractic care for, for their lifetime.
1: Well, absolutely. You know what? I, I continue to maintain and say that chiropractic is the most poorly understood mainstream profession out there right now. Do you have have any comments about that?
2: Uh, Absolutely. You know, and I think it it all comes down to the fact that uh, you know, our profession is still relatively young when we compare to the medical profession. You know, we're now 127 years old, if my math is correct, 1895, the very first chiropractic adjustment by DD Palmer. But I think we as a profession, still have a hard time identifying uh, uniformly what we do. You know, there's a lot of uh, indecision in the profession as to really what chiropractic is and and what we do as as a profession. So I think until that gets really clarified, uh, I believe that the public itself really doesn't have a good idea of what chiropractic is all about. You know, there's a lot of stigma, there's stereotypes, there's preformed opinions from people who have never perhaps even seen a chiropractor before.
1: Absolutely. So,
2: yeah. So that's one of the things that we've really focused on in our, in our practice is to help people to understand all of the benefits of chiropractic
1: care. Right. So here's your opportunity right now to the world, because this is an international podcast, is how would you define chiropractic in 60 seconds or less so everybody could understand that?
2: Yeah, cool. I, I think it's so straightforward in the fact that, that we can all agree that our bodies are created so uniquely, wonderfully, that there is this incredible intelligence and ability to heal from within. Everybody knows that if they cut their finger, that finger over the next three, four, five days is going to heal. Well, it's no different if you break your leg or if you're suffering from some serious disease. The body has an ability to heal. All we need to do is give it the proper environment to substantiate or to facilitate that healing so chiropractic really the profession of chiropractic is not about treating any disease or condition it's about facilitating the body's ability to heal by removing the interference and if our nervous system is the master connector and controller of our body if we can remove interference from the nervous system then we allow that body to heal at a better level it works more efficiently and our chances of healing from whatever it is we are afflicted from or with we have a better chance of overcoming adapting, and healing
1: totally and uh, i and so the the old term i would like to have as a new term is the innate intelligence the innate ability for the body is what you basically described to heal and restore and to be healthy is uh amplified, if you will, uh, influenced and maintained with chiropractic and at the acute level, it's to actually begin to restore that function. And many chiropractors now relate that just to pain relief, but it's way more than pain relief. Can you, can you elaborate on, on your view of that?
2: Yeah. Well, when you study neurology and I think any neurosurgeon, any professor of neurology would, would agree with this. And the fact that The nervous system is so complex in fact it's it's complex far beyond our educated understanding even the most educated medical professional will agree that there's there's a lot of things we don't even fully understand about our own neurology our own nervous system and how the nervous system adapts and functions so you know only a very small percentage of the nerves actually facilitate pain or carry the messages of pain. Totally. A, large, a larger perception or a larger percentage of those nerves uh, facilitate other mechanisms in the body. And so by, by allowing that nervous system to function better and removing interference, not only we can help the person uh, heal from injuries or from pain, musculoskeletal type of problems, uh, we just allow the body to function better overall. And a lot of really magical things happen when you can remove interference.
1: Now, when you say remove interference, because there's many um, chiropractic listeners, there's many non-chiropractic listeners to this podcast. So when they hear you say remove interference, while you're certainly not doing surgery, chiropractic, uh, for the most part, the vast majority is a non-surgical, non-drug profession. Um, What are you talking about?
2: Yeah, that's a fantastic question. I think that really needs to be clarified. And the fact that So we look at interference to the body in three forms. There's the three T's, thoughts, traumas, toxins. And thoughts, traumas, toxins can cause aberrant effects in the body. Now, we really focus as chiropractors on the spine, spinal joints. And really, the spine is composed of 24 bones from the base of the skull right down to the tailbone. And those 24 bones are really needing to be in specific alignment and specific mobility to allow the nerves that pass through them and out from every level of the spine to work at their greatest capacity. And that's been shown through science. There's specific curves of the spine, there's specific alignments of the spine, there should be specific motion of the spine. This has been studied and studied and studied to the nth degree. And you know, when we talk about being evidence-based, chiropractic is very, very evidence-based and the fact that there's been tremendous amount of study to show this. When the spine loses its normal function, normal position, normal motion, we, you know, the chiropractic term for that is something called subluxation. And that's a really interesting word. And there's been a lot of debate about how to define that word and if it exists in chiropractic and what it really truly is. But if we can just say that a subluxation is, is an episode where the nervous system becomes compromised in some way, where the, the bones of the spine are not allowing those nerves to function at their full capacity. That's really what a subluxation right. and,
1: is. And here's how I define it in my practice. And I'm, of course, we're both in active practice is misalignments, malfunctions, whether they be directly of the spine or indirectly affecting the spine and therefore the nervous system, because there's millions of nerves that come in and out of the spine and the brain and the, and Afferent and efferent, as if in neurology, um, those will affect the function of the body, whether it be negatively or positively. Or, you know, there's, it's really health is either negative or positive. You don't sit at the same health for your whole life.
2: I agree 100%. You know, and we always say, and we, we talk about this with patients, you're either building health or you're building disease. And it's completely your choice. And really, you know, it comes down to your lifestyle and the choices we make in our lifestyle, how we eat. How we take care of our body, do we exercise? do we put positive things into our, our mind you know to allow our mind to function and grow properly? And all of these things contribute to either building health or building disease. So when we add chiropractic adjustments to the fold, uh, you know by removing the interference and realigning the spine and allowing those nerves to actually start to function better, then we can really get the person facilitating their own healing and function at a higher level.
1: You know what's interesting, Dr. Collin, is, is when we have a rational decision with someone who is not fighting us or chiropractic dogmatically with their own views, then really these are these are baseline points. Whether you're a chiropractic student listening to this or or a longtime chiropractor or everything in between or non-chiropractor, this should make sense. These are factual things, right? We aren't making these up. They aren't dogmatic. And so where do you think the, the where do you think we as a profession could, could improve our um, communication of that to, to the world? So that chiropractic becomes more uh, appropriately used, I will say.
2: Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And I think, you know, we've only got uh, perhaps an hour podcast here, but there, there's lots to talk about, you know? So it's interesting um, Chester Wilkes just died uh, last week, you know, and, and for those people who don't know Chester Wilkes, Chester Wilkes was really a pioneer in our profession. He was uh, really the, the lead hand at combating the American Medical Association and taking them to the Supreme Court. In the United oh, right.
1: State. The famous Wilkes. Uh, the Wilkes case. case. Yeah. yeah. So in the, and, what, 80s or 90s? It was or back
2: in, yeah, it was back in the 80s and, and early 90s. And what happened was um, Chester Wilkes actually led the charge for that and uh, won the case against the American Medical uh, Association that was found guilty of trying to defame and destroy the chiropractic profession. Yeah. So, you know, so there's been a lot of, you know, chiropractic has suffered a lot of uh, slings and arrows over the years. But I think if you go way back in history, there was back in the times of DD and B.J. Palmer there was a divide in the profession. There was the group that formed the ACA, the American Chiropractic Association, the ICA, International Chiropractic Association, one of which was very vitalistic chiropractors who were very, if we call the the straight chiropractors that, you know, and perhaps maybe um, took it very extreme in the fact that we're giving the messages that adjustments could cure everything. And then the ACA group of chiropractors took it to the other extreme to say that, chiropractic became a very musculoskeletal type of treatment. And then over the years, the insurance industry got involved and started paying chiropractors for care, but they paid for certain forms of quote-unquote treatment. Right. And I don't like right. using that word, but what they did is they paid for certain things, which again, led certain groups of chiropractors to therefore try to define our profession in certain ways.
1: So so market conditions dictated and third parties will continue to dictate how we, we practice to some degree unless we take a stand and say, I'm not going to practice how a third party wants me to practice. I can right. be successful, however, uh, and later on, I, I do have some questions about actual practice management and, and practice, so stay tuned and and, and uh, listen up because with Dr. Colin Elkins, uh, great deal of wisdom and insight. And he, remember he, he is a coach and I want to talk about that coach and a mentor, uh, in the company, Max living too. So uh, I do want to talk about, there's some great stuff coming up in this show yet. So, um, Dr. Colin, um, that's, that's history where do we, where do you think we need to go from here? I mean, one of the things you said uh, when, when I met you at, at last week's um, uh, seminar was you envision Canada having another chiropractic college. Now that's, that's like, whoa, really?
2: And and that's a, that's a big vision. Sorry to interrupt you, but that's, I get so excited when we talk about that because I think that is the, the future of chiropractic and the fact that We need to have more schools and not just one chiropractic college in Canada. You look at the multiple chiropractic colleges in the United States and across the world. We really have one. There is a small one in Quebec. So let's say it's two. um, You know, very, very small one in Quebec. It's all French speaking. But CMCC is the main college in Canada, in Toronto. And they have a very unique perspective of chiropractic. So that really, it. It takes uh, a one-sided view of the profession. However, to grow the profession, we need to stimulate more young people to say, I want to become a chiropractor. And so that the idea of growing more schools in Canada with perhaps some different philosophies and different perspectives, again, attracts more people. And the more people we get into the profession, the more the profession becomes accepted by the public and and then starts to grow.
1: I, I totally agree. And I, I, I love that vision and I I would expand that to suggest that worldwide um, we need more chiropractors. We need more chiropractic uh, education in general and schools being one of them. And so uh, not to spend a lot of time on that because that is a great vision that that, you know, vision and thoughts can become things. And so uh, I'm totally on board with that. Um, Now I want to ask you, Uh, so describe what, what, what does the practice of chiropractic mean for you personally? Yeah,
2: that's a, that's a big question. So, you know, I got into chiropractic by accident. I'll be very honest. I went to school. I was very athletic in school. I played uh, football at university, University of Guelph. We won a national championship, Vanier cup in 1984. I knew. uh, Yeah, it was fantastic. It was a great, great time of my life, a lot of fun. But I knew that I wanted to get into the health profession. I considered med school. Um, You know, I had good marks in school, but I would have had to really, really work hard to, to get into med school. I considered going into pharmaceuticals at that point, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And then it was actually a couple of people that talked about uh, going to see a chiropractic college, and I'd heard of chiropractic before. My dad saw a chiropractor when his back was sore, you know, back in the days. And I, so I actually asked my dad about that, and he introduced me to his former chiropractor. And I talked to him a little bit, spent some time there, received my first adjustment, uh, you know, and then started looking into it. The more I looked into it, the more I liked. Well, I actually applied to teacher's college. That was my <laughs> first, my first uh, pathway, You know, my first passion. And I, got, I didn't get accepted. I only applied to one teacher's college. That was Brock University. I got denied, and I had pretty good marks. I was going in with mid-80s, you know, high, higher 80s and sure. last year university. But I got denied because it was a very well-sought-after teacher's college. So it was very competitive. So I didn't get in. And so I thought, well, I'll try this chiropractic thing. And I actually went down to um, – I'd heard that CMCC at the time was very tough to get into. So uh, a few friends say, hey, we're going to Chicago for the weekend to go check out this chiropractic college in Chicago. I say, hey, I'll, I'll go. So we went to Chicago. I was a big Michael Jordan fan at the time. So uh, the, that's when the bulls were in their heyday. <laughs> so we drove to Chicago, and we had a great weekend, saw the chiropractic college, and uh, got met by the uh, liaison, the student liaison there, and he gave us a tour. And he was so passionate about chiropractic. And I came out of that tour, out of that weekend, saying, this is the path i mean i i was obviously led here for a reason and this is the path where i want to go so i actually attended uh national it was national college of chiropractic at that time it's now called national university of health sciences but i did the first year there now that was at the time the canadian dollar was really really low and the exchange was high and they oh yeah right. tuition at car so after my first year i transferred back to cmcc and got right into my second year which worked out great because that's where i met my wife so oh well there you time. go so so God has a plan for things, you know,
0: don't miss another secret to your practice success. Subscribe to practice mastery today at highprofitspractice.com forward slash podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, um, I want to get into a little
1: bit of the practical for our listeners is describe your typical work week and work day. Um, you know, because you, you, uh, you and your wife have built a high volume practice and I, I do want to hear about um, uh, how that came about. So uh, with Dr. Colin Elkin here on Practice Mastery podcast, talk about practice now, the practical, what does your typical day in work week um, entail? And you do one of the unique things. I, I think it's rather unique. have a group report of findings and so what's does your typical week look like
2: yeah okay great question so you know going back you know kim and i when we got into practice we really didn't know what we were doing we just decided we were going to do everything that we learned in clinic but we did have this this thing that we both agreed upon is the fact that our families who had been through medical care in the past and perhaps had some less than positive experiences for whatever reason we decided we want to make sure that every single patient that came into their office had the opportunity, really, number one, to know what their problem was. What was the underlying problem of their chief complaint? So whether they had lower back pain or headaches or whatever condition they came in with, we wanted to help them to understand what was causing that problem. And we wanted to give them an opportunity to see all of their exam findings. So sit down, ask questions about their x-rays, actually see their x-rays. So we decided back then was to make sure that every patient felt like they were really cared about. And I think that was the, the underlying uh, rule that we had that really helped build our practice. So we started to grow. And as we started to grow, we realized, holy smokes, we're, we're getting too big for what we do here. We need to some help. We need some systems put in place. So we actually sought out some coaching back then. And uh, that's originally when we joined Max Living. And that what, the beautiful thing about that was, it helped us put some systems in place in our office to help us to manage the number of people we that came in to see us, get really good results, show them that they were actually not just feeling better, but getting better. So we started doing pre and post examinations or pre and post x-rays when necessary, and, and actually show them that, hey, things are actually changing. The reason you're coming in whether you're in pain or not in pain now is because we're actually making corrective changes to your health, to your spine, to your alignment and so on. So one of the things that we did because we were starting to grow so much is that to try to manage time for patients and for us, we started doing a group report of findings. And it was really magnificent what happened was when we started you know, doing this group report of findings, it's maybe 30 to 40 minutes of just an orientation and it breaks down a lot of preformed opinions about what many people have come in with. It helps them to understand why they're there. And it helps to give them some sort of hope and an outcome. So it really increases the value of what we were delivering. And we found in doing so, we ended up getting a lot more referrals. We found a lot of people that would come in for the group report of findings, wanted to get their families under care, children under care, get, at least bring them in to get checked so that's, that was one of the really uh, the major factors in our office that really helped us to grow exponentially.
1: So how, how long ago had you started doing those group report findings and it, has that been a consistent procedure of for years now?
2: Yeah, so we, we graduated in 1993 and uh, we started doing our group report of findings probably around 1998, 99. And it has evolved you know, over the years. It's, uh, we've tried some different things. We used to, actually used to do them on overhead, like with an overhead projector right. with, oh, with what the, the transparencies. Oh. Yeah, right. So, uh, and, and show some different slides and just basically talk to people about health. Where does health come from? And just basically talk about the options in that when you have some sort of a health concern, when you go to the medical doctor, some of the options at the medical doctor would be to either take medication or get surgery. And and although in some cases that may be necessary, there are other ways. And so we talk to them about really getting to the root cause of the problem, not necessarily masking a lot of symptoms with medications and and allowing their body to start functioning better. And then when we start talking about how we realign the spine, but with chiropractic care, we look for changes there neurologically and how the body has the ability to heal. And then when we can add in proper nutrition and exercise and good lifestyle, it's amazing what, what can happen and the really neat things that, that you start seeing in your office.
1: So basically, you, you, you just in a nutshell described a great report of findings um, and, and best probably done in a group setting if you want to maximize your time efficiency, therefore create the opportunity for a higher volume practice is, what, what, let's talk about those you, you educate for one, uh, familiarize build trust. What are some of the other bases for a, a great report of group report of findings?
2: Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think it's, it's breaking down objections before they're brought up with people. So often we'll call our, our report of findings, our objection management report, because a lot of people coming into chiropractic offices may have preformed opinions, like how long is this going to take? What's it going to cost? He's going to want me to keep coming back and back and back. You know, all of the things that people think about in going to the chiropractor, um, you know, is it going to hurt? What's going to happen? So we address a lot of these concerns right off the bat. We show them some examples of x-rays from patients who have given us permission to show their x-rays, obviously without showing names and things like that, but some examples of what to expect. So by showing them, you know, what potentially can happen and what this is all about, you remove a lot of the fear and you're right, as you mentioned, build a lot of trust.
1: Right. So I know our, uh, I, I'm thinking this as well as well. I don't have a big, huge clinic. Um, you know, I don't have a boardroom. Uh, what What would you say about how you started that process with? And what kind of numbers are you talking about? typically?
2: Yeah, that was interesting that you say that. So we did at the initial stages, we really didn't know what we were doing. We had the transparencies. We would just do it in our little waiting room that we had at the time that would seat maybe six people at the most. And, uh, and so as we grew, we had to do multiple group reports a week. And there was a time where we were doing three group reports a week and they were typically last half an hour to 40 minutes. But as our, as our practice started to grow, then we had to make some renovations in the same building that we're in now. And finally we have a a big room on the upper level that we can see about 30 people when we have to.
1: Right now you're in Brantford. Correct. Brantford, Ontario which is not known to be your metropolis or big, huge city. It is known for what? Wayne Gretzky. The hockey player, Wayne Gretzky. That's Mm. where he's born and had his early, early years of hockey. So Brantford, Ontario. So, um, you know, I, I know our listeners, some of our listeners are going, well, you know, I'm in a small town or I just started practice. Um, What would you say about what, a starting practitioner or a restarting practitioner? Cause sometimes, you know, uh, practitioners, this is, this podcast is about practice and it's about mastery. Not that we've mastered things. I mean, for me, mastery is a continual um, process and evolution and a desire and a passion for that with setting intentions. What would you say um, to someone who says, well, I don't know if I can do that. Where do you start?
2: Yeah. Great question. And I agree totally, you know, chiropractic is a wonderful profession. There's no one way or right way or wrong way to practice, you know? So I think it's, it's personal preference. There's a lot of different techniques. There's a lot of different ways that you can care for people. There's a lot of different ways that you can correct subluxation or that you can uh, take care of all kinds of people with different conditions. So, you know, if I was going to go back and start all over again, I would say the number one thing that I say to a lot of young chiropractors and we've been so blessed to have so many uh, associates over the years come in and work with us we've had students come in to do their externship or their uh, preceptorship here in our office and um, I say to every single one of them is when you get into practice uh, go see number one go see as many offices as you can possibly see because there's no one way you'll never see Two offices doing exactly the same thing. There's different methods of practice. There's different styles, different practice management techniques, and so on. So go see as many as you can. You're going to pick and choose different things you like about each office, number one. Number two is have a mentor. Get a mentor, get a coach, get somebody who can guide you. And ideally, a good coach will be somebody that doesn't try to fit you into a mold. It will be somebody who can work with you, who can take your passion about what you want to do and help you to build that, help you to become really a better version of you. And that's really what I feel a good coach should be trying to do.
1: Right. Exactly. So get coaching as a minimum, get mentoring. So what is the difference between uh, coaching and mentoring in your world?
2: Well, you know, I, I think there's a lot of different coaches uh, on the market. You know, if you go on, on social media, you'll see all kinds of different, um, ads for either practice management, co- chiropractic coaching, and so on. I think it's really finding somebody that, first of all, that you respect. It's finding somebody who has done it themselves, because I think anybody who's been in practice for a long time uh, and has grown a practice that, you know, that has had the experiences of managing a team, of hiring and, and having to fire staff, of, of having to manage all kinds of different patients uh, and get the results, you know, and then there's obviously whether you're in the United States or Canada, there's insurance billing concerns or issues, or do you have a cash practice, you know, how do you do these different things. So I think somebody who's been through it, or is currently doing it is probably the best coach or, or mentor. And, you know, and I think to be able to say to to spend some money so that you have a good relationship with somebody that that there is some good exchange and some consistent exchange with a plan. And coaching really is not a one-time thing. It should be honed over time. So I would, I would suggest to somebody when you find a coach consider being with that coach for, you know, at least a year, two years, three years, because growing a practice and a nice stable practice takes some time.
1: Absolutely. And, and uh, I mean, I do some practice coaching um, and men- mentoring is one of the, the most important things that, um, for me, is is uh, starts with a mindset that I want to help, um, particularly my associates, to develop their practice and help them with uh, often little, sometimes big issues that come up that either frustrate them, or or disappoint them, or case management wise. And I'll give you an example is uh, one of my associates, all five-star reviews, right? All five-star reviews. And then they got their first one-star review and they were, they were really hurt. They were, they were crushed. And now probably you and I have had a whole bunch of one-star reviews. So it's like been there, done that, you know, like shake it off and just get more great reviews. Right from, from the patients uh, that, that love you and you're getting great results, which is most of the people, right? So uh, that's an example of mentoring and coaching. So I, when I asked that question about coaching and mentoring it, I mean, it's obvious to me, but yes, I totally uh, understand uh, that's gotta be a connection and it's gotta be a, a trusting relationship. And I would say from, from the client perspective, if you're uh interested in coaching and mentoring, have that chat because there's a whole bunch of people that will be not compatible to you, right? Colin, what do you think?
2: Oh, for sure. You know, and I I think number one priority, this is, and it's interesting you bring that up because I I think when we start judging our success on, as you say, the five-star reviews versus the one-star reviews, we're setting ourselves up for failure. And I think, and I remember hearing from a, a good friend of mine, Neil Cohen who's the vice president of Sherman college. And Neil said, uh, and I'll never forget this. If love is your first technique, then you will prosper no matter what. And I think, you know, as soon as you can go into practice every day and really have a heart for all the people that you lay your hands on, all the people that you're serving. It, it's interesting, no matter what happens for the most part, whether they get better, you know, whether they feel better, whether they don't feel better, they will still trust and respect you because they know that you care about them. And I think that is, if I can say that as some advice to the younger practitioners, if you go into it with love in your heart, you'll never, ever fail.
1: Right. And, and listen to your intuition and um, you know, it does take a lot of what I I remember still is, is uh, present time consciousness right Jim Parker
2: Jim Parker.
1: present PTC present time consciousness in other words stop thinking about what you're going to be doing uh, right after work and uh, stop thinking about the week that just went by that might not have been that great or the weekend that you still haven't gotten over it be totally present time with your with your Patient, I think that's a good general rule. What do you think about that, Dr. Collins?
2: So that's a great point because I think as young practitioners, we we perhaps have lower confidence when we get out of school and we have to justify the money, especially if you're dealing with a cash patient, a cash-paying patient who's somebody who's paying you. And this is the beautiful thing about chiropractic and running a cash-based practice is that there's accountability between doctor and patient. If you look at most medical relationships, the doctors being paid by a third party and doesn't have full accountability to their customer the, the patient
1: because the right. patient is
2: basically seeing them for as what they perceive as free
1: well free in a socialized medicine
2: right so here's the, the thing is that if we can can have that uh, ability of that you know to to say to the patient that we're one on one with that patient we care about them we love them and we have that relationship uh, I think that the, the trust is built right off the bat. We have more accountability to that person.
1: Right. So, so of course, um, the world is, you know, third party, cash. Tell me a, a little bit about, you know, your, your typical day in the sense of, well, I mean, um, uh, how you see the, the numbers you see and have that great, Client experience because one of the arguments out there is that well you know if you don't spend enough time with the patient they don't feel the value.
2: Yeah, great question. So that that's and and that's fine. I was getting myself off track there when you asked that question, but we we don't need to justify the time if we can have that great relationship. So that as you mentioned, PTC present time consciousness, you can spend thirty seconds, one minute, you know, two minutes with a person and be totally present with them totally focused on them, totally focused on you connecting with them as you're making that adjustment on the words that they're saying and the interaction that you have. It doesn't have to take a lot of time and the patient will feel that. And most patients, when they feel that connection, it can be a very short connection, but they feel completely fulfilled with that interaction, that short little relationship. And I think that takes time. You know, I I often talk about when I, when I have the opportunity to talk to chiropractors is that there's a transition from when you get out of school you become as a graduate of chiropractic school a very very good diagnostician you can recognize disease pathology you can start to you know you have all the tools to recognize people with some sort of problem coming into your office and you can diagnose those tools very much it takes some time to then become a chiropractor to focus less on the pathology and more on the underlying problem if the underlying problem is a subluxation or some sort of interference there's a transition there from becoming that diagnostician trying to diagnose disease to therefore trying to correct the cause of the problem but then something neat happens as you're in practice for a while you transform from the difference of a chiropractor into that of a healer and that is when you can start to really make connection with people And your healing might not come from that physical adjustment on the body, it might come from the connection, it might come from the words that you say, or just the simple laying on of hands uh, of somebody. You know, it's often, I've often heard in the past that when you're in state, when people come to see you and you have this real healing mentality about you, it's almost like an energy that flows through you. People start to feel it when they walk into the room in your presence. And that's the transition. And I think that happens with chiropractors over time. And that gives you the opportunity to really see more people in a very short period of time because your presence in that short little amount of time is so impactful and so powerful on those people. It's amazing when that happens, you transition into that the phone starts ringing like crazy. More and more referrals are coming in the door. More people wanna see you and your waiting room is now full. There's a lineup to see you. It's like waiting list practice time. And, uh, And it's really a neat place to be, but it takes effort to stay there. It takes effort to get there and it takes effort to stay there.
0: Enjoyed the podcast? We'd love to hear your comments. It's simple rate and review practice mastery today at wherever you get your podcasts we can't wait to see your review
1: you talked about a little bit about what it takes to get there what does it take to stay there because i've been there dr colin i've been there where i'm highly distracted and it's like why is my week next week is it's not very busy like what happened here and I realized that, geez, you know, I'm working on this project outside of the clinic. And and sometimes my staff that have known me for, for a while say, uh, every time you go away and to a chiropractic seminar, uh, you know, th- things happen, you know, it's like, boom, and your your uh, energy changes, right? Yes. And yes. anytime there's an external project that's occupying your mind and, and headspace, seems like things start not working so well. You know, why did Mrs. Jones cancel? She's, she's come here every two weeks for the last five years. Right. You know, type of thing. So I, I, that's been my personal experience. There's a whole bunch of other, you know, uh, anecdotes and, and gems about that. But my, my question is that what does it take to stay in that zone, if you will?
2: That's so great question, Alan, you know, and, and, I have some ideas on how that can, and listen, I'm, I'm not perfect either, but I have learned over the years that it does take focus. And so for me to stay in the zone, I need to be so conscious of my own personal routine. So I'm very careful about what I allow into my mind. I try to stay away from social media. I try to focus on certain things, put positive input into my mind, so that when I come into the office, I am in a healing state of mind for people. You know, I don't want to be distracted. And there's all kinds of things that distract us. It's family distractions, it's different hobbies, it's different activities. If we put if we start putting social media or TV or or whatever else into our mind if it's negative thoughts, that affects our ability to, you know, engage in present time consciousness with their patients and it will show up in your practice it happens all the time so it, is it 100 percent perfect all the time absolutely not but i have no. learned some tips and techniques over the years to keep myself on purpose so do i get adjusted absolutely i'm on a specific adjusting schedule do i eat well i eat incredibly meticulously well i'm very cautious about what i put into my body I exercise every single day. In fact, I think the last time I missed a day of exercise was 2017. So and, and I can say that looking right into the camera. God's honest right. truth. I have not missed a day since 2017 of exercise. Amazing. So I try to do something for myself every day, but I do that to keep myself focused, keep myself on purpose and make sure that I can be a good vessel for healing to happen with that patient and thus achieve better success overall, better results in the office. Obviously, better income, just better, better relationships with my friends and my family, my spouse, you know, my children. So that's really, I want to do everything I can to keep myself uh, where I need to be to be the best person that I can be.
1: Wow, that, those are those are certainly practice mastery uh, gems and tips right there about keeping you, the practitioner in a super healthy state so that you can do your work with mastery, right?
2: You know, and I think it's important, too, and you, you mentioned it, is to get energized and be with a group. And that's why, you know, I've been with Max Living now for uh, 20 years. And my best friends are in Max Living. So, you know, we go to seminars multiple times a year, some of the seminars are in the US, some across Canada. And, uh, and that's where I can get re-energized. You know, it, it's like we get into the the room with chiropractors it becomes the echo chamber but it's so important to be around and surround yourself with like-minded people if we're out by ourselves on an island it's tough to maintain this purpose and it's tough to maintain that energy if you're by yourself because a lot of things knock us down a lot of there's a lot of negativity you know there's always something that's going to try to knock us down so if we can maintain that group and uh, and be cohesive and learn from each other and experiment in our own offices and then share it with other people. It is, again, it's very, very energizing, as, as you mentioned.
1: So that being said, as we wrap up uh, this, this uh, episode uh, tell, tell us a little bit about your involvement in Max living and, and why it's important uh, both as, as a participant, which you kind of already mentioned about that camaraderie and, and hanging out with people of not only like mind and like practice, which is important, but your involvement with Max Living. Where is it currently at?
2: Yeah. So as I mentioned, you know, we, myself and my wife Kim, we got into it 20 years ago because we wanted some systems in place for our office, some practice management systems, and that we, we gained that very, very quickly, which was fantastic. However, the neat thing is with Max Living, it's a very unique delivery of chiropractic so yes we focus on correcting spines and we practice uh typically we practice a technique that's uh corrective care chiropractic so we want to take a patient from where they are talk about subluxation explain what subluxation is all about how it's affecting them neurologically and then get them under a course of care to show them correction in their spine so yes we do pre and post x-rays and we will see some changes in spinal curvatures scoliosis we have one of the leading technique uh, teachers in Max Living, Dr. Tony Nolda. He's very, very well studied. He's uh, very proficient in CBP and Petapon, uh, Clear Institute techniques, so these spinal corrective techniques, and he teaches our, our technique program. Absolutely brilliant. Very, very scientifically based. Uh, and it's I'm going to say for anybody who's interested in refining their technique, he is definitely the, the go-to guy as far as refining your technique. But the neat thing with Max Living is that we teach the five essentials. So it's not just about correcting your spine. We then teach people about proper nutrition. And I find this is a huge draw for people. A lot of people want to learn how to eat better, how to feel better, how to reduce inflammation, how to lose weight, how to change their hormones. So we have systems with Max Living that teach people how to eat, what supplements to take, what vitamins to take, you know, certain things like that. And we've implemented that into our office. We also teach them how to exercise. You know, what is the best way to try to exercise to maximize your results and minimize your time spent? Even for somebody who's a couch potato, we have systems to try to teach people exercise. So we actually, in our office, have an exercise class for our patients three times a week. And we've been doing that for many, many years, for probably 15 years. And it's a small group class. We actually now have one of our patients uh, teaching the class. And she's been fantastic at it, Rebecca. She teaches people three times a week. So, uh, and it's a 20 minute to 30 minute class circuit training burst training and you know high intensity class we call it max t3 and she's extremely good at it we also teach people how to detox you know a lot of people talk about detox what does detox mean you know when we go through our removing interference remove the toxins from your body and of course positive mindset so those five essentials uh you know By Teaching people how to manage stress, create more peace in their lifetime. So that's why I've been so excited about Max Living, because it's a delivery system of health that resonates with me. It's how I live my life. I mean, I, I do all those things myself. And so I think I can truly own what we're talking about when we talk to patients and the fact that my, you know, my family, we all do this. I have four boys who have lived a Max Living lifestyle as they've grown up and I'm very proud to say that none of my boys all four boys the oldest one's 26 now and he's actually just graduated from chiropractic college uh, has never had any medication in their lifetime we've gone totally medication free doesn't mean that they haven't had their colds and sickness and things like that but we trust the fact that the body when we remove the interference has the ability to heal so that's been such the exciting thing because it's really changed our lifestyle it's the way we approach health and I think when we can truly say that this is the way we we deliver health of what we're doing ourselves. So I think that's what's helped to make it so successful too. And, and fun. It just, it gets me so excited to, to help people to really, when you see, when you talk to somebody and you see the light bulb go off in their eyes and, and in their mind, when they think, gosh, now I have some hope. I don't need to take those medications or I have the opportunity to get off those medications in time if I can start allowing my body to function and, and get, get better.
1: Right. Wow, that is inspiring. So, as we wrap up this show, um, what would you say to what? What final message would you say for uh, a practitioner of any type wanting to aspire to more mastery?
2: You know, I would just say get involved. Uh, The thing is, you know, and and I mentioned this earlier. When we're by ourselves trying to practice by ourselves, it can become it can become boring you know it can be you're, you're out by yourself on an island it can become boring it people get burned out uh, people get tired it, it's it's taxing you know when you're physically laying your hands on people especially if you're doing any type of manual adjustments it can be physically demanding and not to mention if you're dealing with people in pain all day that are constantly complaining about their symptoms it can be very mentally draining and demanding too but i think to be be part of a group that knows where they're going. That's moving forward. That can get together regularly to to feed each other, to pour into each other and pump each other up. Um, that is huge to help you build a successful practice with great longevity and have a great life along along with that.
1: Well, wow, great message. Um, you know, that's this. This has uh, been a great time together, there, Dr. Colin Elkin. Uh, uh, chiropractor, practicing chiropractor, and Max Living Coach and international speaker. Been a pleasure to have you on the show, uh, Dr. Colin.
2: Well, Alan, thank you. I'm again. I'm so honored to be with you today, and uh, it's been a lot of fun.
1: So, Dr. Colin Elkin, that was that was amazing. Uh, it, uh, vision and visionary. Um, Um, thoughts about chiropractic and not not just chiropractic about practice in general and what it takes to to um, to be in practice for a long time and to learn and to continue to learn so i wish you to be one step closer to practice mastery bye for now i'm dr alan chong your host of practice mastery podcast
0: Well, that wraps up another episode of Practice Mastery, Your Call to Greatness. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. For show notes, to listen more, and to subscribe, go to highprofitspractice.com forward slash podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so remember to rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time, wishing you one step closer to Practice Mastery, Your Call to Greatness. All content for Practice Mastery podcasts and all related media of Practice Mastery, Your Call to Greatness are claimed and protected by copyright. All rights reserved by Dr. Alan Chong.